you know, the, the reality though is, yeah, things are getting expensive. The economy's bad. But the reality really is that everyone has power to change that. Every single person. And you don't have to be in tech, which I always thought that's the only way you get rich. Like you have to be on social media or whatever this is. And that's empowering for people to realize, huh, I could actually get rich doing lawn care. I could get rich cleaning pools. I can get rich selling cookies to my neighbors. Here's a stupid one, universal. You can get rich putting up Christmas lights and taking them down. I just paid $500. I just paid $500 for some guys. They put up the Christmas light. They did a really good job too. Shout out Jose. Um, and then they take them down. 500 bucks, that's one house. Times that by like, I don't know how many houses are in neighborhoods, times that by cities. That's an easily multi-million dollar person right there. And that's Christmas lights. So, you know, I, you asked about the emptiness. Yeah, it, there are parts that are empty in a lot of different areas of life. And I, I think as we get older, we get wisdom. And then you're like, okay, I want to get rich and I want to do the things I really want to do. And, and that's definitely, it's possible. What is up, my friend, and welcome to The Dan Go Show. I'm your host, Dan Go, coach to high-performing entrepreneurs and professionals. And what we do at The Dan Go Show is tease out the best practices of the highest-performing entrepreneurs in the world while sharing cutting-edge, evidence-based information to help you become healthier and wealthier. So if that's what you're into, you're in the right place. Click that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts so every time one of my episodes goes live, you'll be the first to know. For like the past decade uh, plus, most likely. So, so yeah, it's like uh, I've I've known about you, uh, and then now it's uh, it's finally time to to meet you as a person, which I'm to super chat, excited yeah. about. Yeah, it's been it's nice to meet you as well. Thank you, thank you. I love Canadians. Oh, thanks, thanks. It's one of my favorite states or uh, countries. <laughs> yeah, what do you like about Canada, dude? I Canada one, they're just so friendly. Yeah, they're just really friendly people. I, I once in my life in Mexico, I met these Canadian guys that were rude, and I was like, "You are gonna lose your Canada card, friend." <laughs> but it's it's just like it's got a lot to offer up there. Um, you know, the West Coast of Vancouver, you got the East Coast, Toronto, yeah. Ottawa. I want. I've heard Montreal's. I've never been yet, but that's such a fun city that I haven't visited. Yeah. Um, I just like I I appreciate that everyone I've met in Canada is friendly. Like you don't really meet a lot of countries where you're like, damn, you're always happy. Yeah. And the Canadians generally seem to be. Well, why is that? Uh, well, I think you are hearkening back to uh, to a time which was maybe before COVID, uh, where Canadians had this kind of like this moniker where they're like, we're really nice, we're really kind, and you know, we're we're just like super awesome people, and can't find an unhappy Canadian. I feel like that's changing a little bit. Uh, and also it's like just changing around the world where like right yeah. now, just Canadians aren't necessarily, especially like Canadians um, who, who are feeling the, the squeeze of inflation, uh, the squeeze Bro. of like the housing crisis, um, which is a lot of them. They're starting to, yeah. to be a little bit more unkind and a little bit more rude, but, but why is it that Canadians are uh, a nice, I, I think it's because like, we're just like the, the little sister of, of the United States, <laughs> we have to be nice, but uh, but otherwise, I I don't know what contributes to that. I re I really don't. It's it's just like nice, laid back, and there's not that many people. You're not. It's not as busy as like the United States and some of the towns in there. So maybe that has something to like contribute to it. But anyways, awesome. I live in a small town, so yeah. So one of the things I wanted to uh, ask you is like you've been you've been really going out 
and launching on YouTube right now. Yeah. And uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you is like, out of all the like the platforms that you could have chose to grow on, like, why is it that you chose YouTube uh, specifically to to really put your focus in? Yeah. The so taking a step back, I I love making content. Like, so my blog, which is now noahkagan.com, I've been doing uh, since 2000, which is, blows my mind. You know, I had hair when I was starting it and I just love being out there. I liked writing about business and marketing and who I get to meet and uh, the opportunities that it provided. And so I've always just enjoyed putting stuff out. What medium was, was a little bit of the secondary. Then a few years ago, I decided when, when COVID happened, like, hey, I'm really enjoying, I want to put myself even further out. Like, how do I expose myself to a larger audience and specifically an audience I call the underdogs? Mm. So when you're doing business in general, it's who, who are you talking to? And I'm, I'm talking to the people that want to have a chance in business. And I tried all the channels. So I did Instagram, I did TikTok, Twitter, blogging, YouTube. And what I was noticing was that you you're putting a lot of time in where are you getting rewards and that's how people burn out. You generally quit because you're not getting the reward you think you're doing for the effort. And so what I noticed was that out of all these channels that for the amount of effort it took to put out a, a YouTube video relatively, I was getting a decent amount of people actually viewing and commenting on it. And that was really like, okay, this one's working. So I stopped all the other ones. So the whole team and every, and all of us were like, no TikTok, no Instagram. And the, the thing for me is like one, I enjoyed it. And two, there's a little bit when you're competing to some extent, because it's competing for the relative amount of time available for people to watch things. Like it's harder to make a really good video. It's easy to write a tweet, a really hard mm. tweet, probably harder, but like to actually go film a video and do all these things, um, it's going to take a little bit more effort. And so for me, it was, it was recognizing that but what's special about YouTube. And this is the important part for the audience. Um, one of the things in the million dollar weekend and that I'm encouraging people is how can you start today right now? And even though now, yeah, I'm in like a, this is like a $20,000 studio in my house. Um, there's a team we have, we fly with a producer. We have all these people now. It started shirtless, like shirtless. And let me believe you, you don't want to see me shirtless right now with just a regular phone, like an iPhone 10 or whatever it was. And I was just doing it in my, in my living room on my phone. And those videos are still up. And so it wasn't that I had all this stuff and it was there, but it was starting right now and not figuring out the how of like, all right, well, how do I do a right thumbnail? It's like, I'm just going to record and put it online and, you know, I got a few hundred views and I, I recognized I enjoyed it. I was getting the views and I can only do really one platform great. And that seemed like it had the biggest upside relative to it. And everyone else can do it just as well. You've been interviewing uh, some of the world's like richest men. I mean, obviously, like these guys yeah. come with like massive net worths. Uh, they, to me, like they're the most entertaining videos I've ever watched because it's it's, it's really just like intriguing to see like how their minds work. Uh, so you probably talked to how many people, how many like millionaires or like, let's just say like high net worth individuals that you talked yeah. to? Yeah. I mean, the amount of billionaires I've been able to meet. So one, I, you know, I was early at Facebook, so I worked for Zuckerberg and Moskowitz, probably about 10 of those guys are billionaires. Yeah. Naomi Gleit. I mean, all these people are billionaires. Um, and then the people I've interviewed, maybe another five or 10, gotcha. right? And I, I think there's about a thousand billionaires in the world give or take I, th I think that well not I think I saw the number as like the number was like 2,400 and then in 2022 and then in 2023 it actually reduced to like 2,200 or something like that uh there's not that many 
there's yeah. not that many. This is, this is and very then you, small. you know, I think they're you know, we want to pattern yeah th around three thousand. So it's a very yeah. small group of of individuals. And then you have to remove the inheritance. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been super fascinating talking to just a lot of different rich people, and then being you know moderately rich myself, which is kind of bonkers. I was telling my buddy this this morning. I was like, I can't believe I got rich. It's so cool. It's a great. Everyone should be rich. Everyone should at least get there and then decide if they want to stay there. Well, you, I mean, like, like your level of rich is kind of like, is like, I think the last time I read it was like a $220 million net worth, like including AppSumo or whatever it is. But, but it's like, uh, <laughs> it's so funny because you have this, uh, massive net worth and yet you come across as this guy who has an incredible lifestyle and a guy who, nice, who flies, you know, uh, as like a hobby, who has a great uh, who has a great schedule. At least I saw like what a day in the life of you looked like. So it seems like you're like you're, you're kind of like keeping your head, you know, you're kind of keeping yourself grounded while while having like such a such a number that most people would not even like be able to imagine. Now, talking to these like billionaires and even like maybe hearkening back to like your experience what are some of like the the biggest lessons that you've learned from talking to these guys who have like massive net worths? I'll, I'll tell one specifically. I'll talk to a few of them. Um, but one specifically is John Paul DeJoria. And all of them tried a lot of things. And so what I like to encourage people to think about is how do you experiment? Because a lot of times when, when people try to start businesses and literally the best investment you can do is a business. Hmm. Stock market, wow, I made 7%. That's... Right. Real estate. Okay. You appreciated what? 2X in a hundred years. Great. Crypto. <laughs> like yeah. the best investment is entrepreneurs and almost all of the billionaires, every single one actually is an entrepreneur. Hmm. And so the reality is that they were trying things to get these investment, uh, to get this great return for themselves. And so I encourage everyone, like, how can you start right now? Not how, and just get going on these things and do a lot of experiments. Myself included. I've done about 25 different businesses that did not work. Then finally one, just one worked and I was able to start in a weekend and all these guys have tried a lot of stuff. They're in the arena. They really are. I know that that's almost a joke, but they're in there actively doing things. And most people are reading the book about doing it, but they're not actually doing it. And that's the mm -hmm. difference. It, it's accessible for everyone. Everyone, the distance between where, where most people are and where they can actually be is closer than they think. That's, that's a huge realization for, for people that really think about like where you are and where you actually want to be probably closer than you think. Hmm. And so John Paul DeJoria, the story of how I met him is probably just as interesting, which is I was biking in West Austin and I'm biking and I see this guy with great hair and I had a vision. I'd love to interview him. I know he's in Austin. I know he, he sold Patron tequila for 3 billion. Paul Mitchell is a billion dollar business. And I was like, I just want to meet him one day. So I, I think one takeaway there for all of us is what is your vision? And vision, whenever someone has a vision, I'm, I used to always be jealous. I was like, where'd you get your vision from? Is it on Amazon? Mm -hmm. Did you buy your vision? Is it like uh, you go to the store and you get one? And everyone, it felt like everyone got one, but I missed, missed that meaning. Mm -hmm. But all a vision is, is just thinking about what would be amazing things that excite you in your own life. And you don't have to make it so, it doesn't have to be so grand, but there could be a lot of levels in it. And once you realize you can have a great husband or you can have millions of dollars, or you can have your own business or just even grocery money. That stuff is like, oh, I can actually achieve this. And most people don't realize that they actually can. Hmm. And then with this guest, I had this dream of having this kind of person on my show. So I thought I saw him because he had great hair. 
And I was like, I had great hair, but I kept biking. And I said, you know, I don't want to live a what if life. I don't want to live a what if life. Like if that was really him and I didn't get a chance to actually meet him when I could. So I biked back three miles, went through the, the neighborhood and eventually we were able to find him. And I asked him, I was like, hey, can I, I'd love a photo with you. And I'd love, I dreamed of interviewing you for my show. And he said, uh, yeah, sure. Follow up with my assistant. Followed up that day. And then the assistant's like, no, he's busy. And so I followed up every week for a year, 52 weeks. Wow. And then one Friday, she said, you can interview him Monday at 8 a.m. Can you be here? I was like, yeah, I'll be there. And so I think there's just a good message for all of us out there, which is what's your dream? Hmm. Just have a dream. Have any dream. Whatever it is. It could be grocery money. It could be being a millionaire. It could be having fancy cars, your private plane. It could just be like you have your whole day free, so you could be with your kids, whatever that is. It's being persistent of going after it. And then when I finally got to meet him, uh, what I admired about him a lot, uh, he talked about the value of sales. He's just like, at the end of the day, if you can sell. And so one of the reasons I think this book, Million Dollar Weekend, is, is different than anything else I've ever seen. The reason I wrote it is that the biggest thing, biggest, biggest thing actually holding people from success is not business tips and tricks. Like that stuff's kind of easy, actually. It's the, the fear of getting going. So the fear of starting and the fear of asking. And John Paul DeJoria is a salesman. He'll tell you. He's like, I am a great salesperson. And so that was such a powerful message about how he sold. And he just kept, he found one product that he just believed in so much. And you don't have to invent it, by the way. You can go work for someone who invented that product and just sell the shit out of that. And so I think that was part one of what I learned from him. And then part two, uh, he was very generous. He's like, I love giving to charities. I actually, and most people, I feel like they're doing it because they're supposed to, not because they want to. Hmm. And, and I just really admire that about him. And, and many of these billionaires I met, they actually, a lot of them seem pretty unhappy. <laughs> they seem, they seem pretty dissatisfied with life. And you yes. get a re, you get a read of it. I'm like, do you really enjoy all this stuff? Uh, like the, the founder of FedEx Kinko's, yeah. uh, Paul Orfelia, amazing guy, very sweet person. But he's like, dude, I was stressed and unhappy for, for 34 years. And what I realized is it's much better to be rich young and then have the options of deciding how you want to live your life. Not waiting until you get to 60, 65 to mm. finally start taking first class. Mm. At least get it while you're 30, 40, 20. 20 is probably literally, but possible. And then you have these options about how you want to choose to spend your time. And uh, the last thing I would say from meeting a lot of different billionaires and, you know, multimillionaires and a lot of my friends are millionaires is that there's many ways of getting rich. Mm. And I, I always love remembering that story. Like I just met a guy. He's a billionaire. Uh, his name is Larry Janeski. He did basements. And he does basements. I don't even have a basement. I've never mm. really even been in a basement. You guys have them in Canada? Austin doesn't have basements at all. No, I don't have basements. That, I grew up in California. We didn't have basements out there. That is so. You guys weird. have basements? Uh, we yes. A, a basement is like a requirement for a house. If it doesn't have a basement, we're not going to buy it because it just gives you an extra floor to play on, essentially. So. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, got rich in basements. <laughs> you know, and then you have. Um, you know, Michael Hudner, who I've had on the show, he got rich doing oil tankers. And then when I get, get to meet people on the street. So yeah, there's, mm. there's a lot of ways of getting rich. And I think that's so empowering to find the idea that you're actually excited to spend time on. Mm. Like my job is to promote things that, and I get paid to go promote software, promote people on a YouTube channel or promote a book. Like that's a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. Is there anything that you see when talking to these guys that you would want to avoid in your own life. Yeah, I say this from the context of, I remember you were talking to the, I forgot which guy it was, but it was the guy who had the private plane. You literally like 
just cold opened him got on the plane and then he was talking about like his family life and it did seem like there was like some strife around that uh you, you talked about uh, the founder of fedex kinkos where he's just like completely dissatisfied just unhappy doing what he's doing uh but he made a lot of money uh is there like and you have talked to other people where they've expressed their biggest regrets if they had any at all yeah yeah is there is there anything that you have seen as a consistent with the people that you've talked to where you're like okay i, I I want to kind of avoid that. I think the the two that come to mind after a lot of these different people is number one, just saying something's a priority, but not actually prioritizing it. Mm. So I have a, a serious girlfriend and we're working on a family. And it's one thing that we say like, oh yeah, my priority is my girlfriend mm. and being a good partner. And then you actually look at how you how your behavior is and that's not aligned. And I definitely think that some people prioritize money and status and ego over actually doing that and so it's being mindful and actually prioritize i want to avoid not avoid not actually prioritizing her yeah. and making sure i'm really showing up yeah. and doing the work of whatever she needs so yeah. that, that, that's part one yeah. and and she just well i'll share it i haven't really we haven't really shared much but she just got pregnant congrats so congrats thank man. you that's yes. fucking bonkers and so really yeah. pr- showing up for appointments showing up to study i've been i was reading uh, books this morning mm. about how to be a dad and what she's going through so i can understand that and i definitely think that's one where i want to avoid uh not not being there i think the second thing to avoid is this this um i call it like the more bug mm. and this more bug is you know i think some most of us know it but it's like i'm gonna do more work or i'm gonna do more i need to do this more shows or i need to do more money and it's like why i, I have enough and now it's time that you can actually be generous to, to other people. And so just trying to be mindful. When is it more because you're just doing it or because you actually want it? Mm. And uh, I'd like to avoid that. And I think I've gotten better. Like one of my goals every for the past five years um, is to give away all my money or spend it on myself. Okay. So either give it to others, donate it, whatever, or enjoy it. Like Bill Perkins' book, Die With Zero, I think that's that's been a popular one out there. Mm-hmm. Um and so I just want to avoid doing meetings or doing extra things that I don't have to do or want to do because I don't need the the outcomes. Yeah, I feel like the allure of making money is, uh, and for a lot of people, especially like millionaires and billionaires, it's like one of the easiest, most comfortable things that they can do with their lives. <laughs> it's just so easy, and it's actually it's actually fun, even though they're going through like a ton of stress. But then it's also it it does act as sometimes like. From what I see on my end, it act, it does act as like a coping mechanism to get away from the things that actually bring you or fulfill more life, like things like spending time with your kids, with your wife, with your family, things of that nature. And then they'll always kind of like use the excuse of like, oh, I'm doing this for my family, I'm doing this for my family. But in reality, it's like, no, you're doing this because it's like super fun. You actually enjoy doing this. <laughs> or you, or you want to avoid your family. I mean, I think one of the biggest things probably unsaid in life is partner selection. Mm. And how are you actually choosing the, the right partner? And it's like, dude, you're going to spend a lot of time with this guy or girl <laughs> and how much they're going to influence you on that. And I know with who I've chosen, I've, I'm lucky. I was actually engaged before yeah. years ago and it wasn't the right person for me. And this one I have, this woman I have now is phenomenal where, you know, she came, I have a multimillion dollar house and I'm so proud of it. I've, I lived in like, I lived in floors. I lived in an 800 square foot house that has, that's falling down literally. And for so long, I never enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I did, I did, I was proud of myself 
and I was like, okay, cool. I've made money now. It's like I have status of sorts or I should. Mm. And I brought her over here. She comes in and she's like, eh, it's fine. It's a house. <laughs> I'm like, what? what? What do you mean it's a house? Like, look at this shit. <laughs> like fucking they got a, a, a spaghetti fountain thing. You know, the spaghetti. Have you seen the spaghetti fountain things where the Never. hose comes out on the stove? Never. <laughs> just shit like that like anyways like i have a you know arcade room in my house she's like i don't want to play games what are you 40 i'm like 41 yeah and it was interesting on the partner selection side in business in health in your relationship really importantly and friendship as well how much she was just like i just want you mm. and i want you to be a good person and i was like ah, i know but can i just buy that <laughs> or you know and i think that's what we do sometimes especially in business or money where we think that that changes who we actually are and it doesn't. Mm. And so it's something that I spent a lot of time working on, frankly, and it's been hard and and really tough. And finding someone who's like, no, I just want you to be, I want you. I don't need any of these other things. I don't need you to be on YouTube. If you want it, great. But that's not what I care about. Yeah. You went through what was a journey called Wife Quest 2022. Basically, you're just like using the whole of 2022 to find a wife, uh, eventually to have a kid. Can you tell me about that experience and the lessons that you learned from that? And also, I want to like juxtapose this against the against the context of like, let's just say like you are a high net worth individual. Uh, yeah. And then when you make decisions based on who you want to marry and like the person you want to live with for the rest of your life, I mean, that's a that is even more of a massive decision than someone who's, let's just say, doesn't have that much money, right? Uh, because because there is a lot attached to that. So I guess my first question is is like number one, biggest lessons for Wife Quest twenty twenty two, and then uh, and then how did you come to the decision that this woman? Uh, I'm sorry, do you mind like saying her name? I, I, yeah, her name is uh, Maria Fernanda. Okay, Maria Fernanda. So. So what what led you to choose Maria Fernanda to to be yeah. a part of your life? So one of the cheat codes, and this is something I, I talked about Million Dollar Weekend again. I'm, I'm going to plug the book because it's yeah. it, it is that it's like how are you cheating not in your relationships but in life to get advantages? And so as I started Wife Quest, I think there's different things that we can learn whether you're looking for a relationship or or, or not which was how do I get an advisor or get guidance in, in dating? Because clearly I, I don't think I was dating well. My part, my business partner who, you know, in the same regard is amazing. He's like, you're getting what you're getting. You're not getting what you want. Mm. You're not getting what you want. You're getting what you just get. And I was like, damn, that's cold, man, but you're right. And that's great advice. And so I hired a dating coach. I hired a, actually a few of them. Oh, wow. One was like this former one from Tinder. Um, one was another relationship. Actually, I hired three of them. Jesus. <laughs> um, you know, and I, for a lot of it though, I wasn't ready. And so when I actually felt ready to be in a relationship and how do you know you're ready? It's because your behavior is aligned to that. Mm. You know, I was partying a lot. Mm. Um, I was just, I wanted to keep dating. It was fun. I was like, okay, this is, I'm not getting anything out of this at some point. And I think that's how we all are. We, we play on our phones and you're like, okay, I'm done playing my phone or we're, we're not feeling good about our bodies. Okay. I want to make a change. And so at that point I found a woman named Stephanie Rigg. Actually, she's on Instagram. She's phenomenal. Yeah, I've heard about her. And a lot of what yeah. we talked about before I even got into the dating was just about myself and mm -hmm. feeling worthy. Feeling worthy to be with someone great. And that's that's every one of us. And thinking, okay, really, who am I? And then what kind of person is this attracting? Hmm. Like, am I out partying? Am I out being responsible? 
And that you know, there's not a wrong answer. If you want to go and do that and find something like that, awesome. But it's being clear who you are and then finding, okay, what is that attracting? So working with her was was phenomenal. I think the second thing that was kind of a breakthrough for me is, and this is applies to business, right? Who's your customer and where are they, right? The two W's of business, the two W's. So who and where? Because I, you know, I had my what problem, generally the three W's, what's my problem? My problem is I want to find a wife. And then the who and the where was is interesting. And so what I noticed, I went to LA to date. I went to New York to date. I, I dated in Austin. And then the who was finding what kind of person do I want to be with? And then where is that person? I, I talked mm -hmm. to someone yesterday and he's in, you know, Bumble, Florida. And I was like, bro, how many actual women do you think meet your criteria? <laughs> Like literally, like just give me a number, like in where you are in Florida, yeah. give me the number. Do you think it's 20? Do you think it's a hundred? Do you think it's a thousand? Mm. Cause you really could just find the exact person. It's actually pretty easy if you know what you're looking for. Mm. And he's like, yeah. And so it's like, well, if you need to go where that person is. So for me, Barcelona just had a lot of very attractive people and a lot of um, really high quality people. And then, you know, the first part of that question is, you know, who is it? And so it's kind of understanding what are the values that actually matter? You know, I, my previous relationships, I would do YouTube videos or do these thing interviews. And she's like, why do you need this attention? Hmm. Like, what are you doing? Right. Or other women where they're not, uh, they don't have value, good values with money. I'm like, my girlfriend has two jobs. I'm like, that's hot. Hmm. <laughs> you know? So in terms of who I was looking for, it was finding, um, Finding someone that I just, you know, you respected, that you admired, and that had has similar values. Mm -hmm. Where, like, we go out and she's offering to pay for things all the time. I'm like, okay, sounds great. Um, and figuring, you know, what are the values? And generally, I actually think the values people overcomplicate it. Like, I need to, and everyone's values always sound the same. I want someone funny. Mm. <laughs> I want someone so sweet. You know, it's like, okay, pick something, like, really black and white. Like, kids, no kids. Like live in this city, don't live in the city. Hmm. Like th pick a few things that were really uh, kind of polarizing, I would say, so you can make easier choices. So for me, uh, a lot of that was like, are they willing to live in America and Spain? Because I, I like living this bi-continental lifestyle. Uh, kids, I really wanted kids. And then understanding, you know, I like the work I get to do. And that that is, it is pretty busy. And I, I like that. And so, yeah, when I, I went on a lot of dates, I, I tried, you know, the apps. I didn't, I never did these like uh, matchmakers. What they, and because it just has a weird vibe. Yeah. It's like you pay them 25 G's and then it feels like they just like pick through some like, I don't know, pool of like non-quality women <laughs> to just send over to you. Isn't it a different incentive structure too, where it's like the women that they're picking are obviously women who would want high net worth individuals, which, which, yeah, yeah which kind of makes them shallow in a very, large sense. It really does. I mean, I didn't really get a lot of gold diggers or maybe silver or crypto diggers. <laughs> I don't know, whatever software deal diggers. Um, I dated a variety of different types. It, I never, I, I think, you know, gold diggers is really, it's your own responsibility, how you're spending your money. And so I never really had that much of an issue with that. But yeah, I met, I met, uh, Mafe, it's her nickname. Yeah. And it actually wasn't that great of a date. I remember I was like, oh, you're, you're attractive, but the date didn't really, I had to go back to work <laughs> and she, she thought I wasn't interested because I was like, no, I didn't really have work to do. Um, but the bigger difference for me 
uh, with her afterwards was that I just really enjoyed talking with her. You're going to have a lot of dinners with this person. What is it, like 2,000 of them? How many is it? Mm. Maybe way more than 2,000. Yeah, I think a little bit you're, more than that. Yeah, yeah, so let's say you're with them like 40 years times, yeah, 10,000 dinners. Yeah. Like, find someone you're actually going to want to sit with. I had, I've dated a bunch where I was like, oh, shit, dude, 10,000 of you? Mm. That's going to suck. Maybe they thought the same of me. And, and I remember I just really enjoyed um, talking to her. It was like, we can just chill. We didn't have to be anybody. I didn't have to be on stage or anything like that. Mm. And the other thing that was really that stood out from her and versus all the other women, just optimistic, optimism, ah. just positive, yeah. like always her photos are smiling, her attitude smiling, and she's kind around that, you know, and I, I think I'm more cynical and I think Jewish people are raised a little cynical, mm. maybe not, maybe we are. And so it was nice to be with someone who's just like really happy about life. And that, yeah. that really influences me. Like I, I, I would make fun of my mom. I have a Jewish mother. It's like, if you've seen a Jewish mother in TV show, that's real. And uh, she's like, don't be mean to mommy. <laughs> and I just was like, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Hmm. So, you know, all those things combined and, it, you know, just continually chatting. And then, you know, we've been together now 18 months. Yeah. Amazing. And then I want to get into the business end of things, but just one more question around this uh, relationship sure, thing, um, which is the idea that, uh, your your partner right now she's pregnant uh do you guys know mm -hmm. like have you guys want to find out the gender or anything like that or? I know, we're still figuring that out okay. man okay uh she's seven weeks by the time this episode comes out she will be what is that one two yeah she'll be another 15 she'll be at 15 weeks so we will know the gender i don't i think we want to be surprised but mm -hmm. we're still figuring we're, we're still figuring that out we're you know i think a lot of things in life we create anxiety about the future that we can't control mm so we're more day by day just making sure she's healthy and, and happy and feeling good because she's definitely her body's going through a lot yeah yeah uh so how are you looking at the way in which you approach business right now knowing that this kid is coming into the fold is there anything that you are going to do in which to like approach the way that you uh that you run your day on a regular basis like are there any changes that you foresee happening uh <clears throat> because it depends on like how involved you want to be with like the whole parenting process yeah. as well. There are no like right or wrong answers, but are there any changes that you're looking to make uh, in regards to how you approach uh, your business at this very moment? Yeah, I'm, you know, a lot of life, like I was able to find a partner. And one thing I want to encourage anyone out there, if they're single or if they're in an unhappy relationship is that there is someone great out there for you. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing we just talked about in the beginning about being a millionaire. Like it's believing. And that is so, so hard when it doesn't feel like it's true. Hmm. And I, I felt that way so long. I'm like, there's no one great out there for me. And it was just like, that's that's a first thing to solve. That you have to believe that. How did you there solve that? There's a million dollars out there for me. Yeah. There's a sick house out there for me. There's a sick job out there for me or my own business to start, which I do believe everyone should do. Yeah. And a sick partner out there for me. Yeah. Believing that. And then working on what you can control within yourself, which is, you know, Danny, you work on health a lot with people, work on your health, you can work on your mind, mm -hmm. you can work on your money, like all these are, are within your control. Uh, and so in terms of the, uh, the kid, the biggest thing for me is just having time available so that I can do it. And it's starting now, right? The kid mm -hmm. doesn't come for another eight, nine months, yeah. but starting today, right? So how am I prioritizing my time so that when it does come, I'm not. Oh man, I'm pretty busy here. And 
it, it's been good. I've actually think everyone should get pregnant just to really prioritize their times better. Yeah. I'm sure you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Because like at five o'clock, my girlfriend's like, I'm done. I'm like, okay, I need to st stop work at, at five, six o'clock mm. um, and figure these things out. I love working. I think everyone needs to work. Yeah, It's the best way to feel good about yourself. Yeah, It is one of the best ways to feel proud of the things you do. And you get to create something in this, this planet. And so what I'm doing now uh, is a few fold. So I have an executive assistant and you can get a great executive assistant. Everyone should get one on hiremymom.com. Mm -hmm. It's like 30 bucks an hour or you can pay 40 or 50 and you get these baller moms uh, that can work for you. So get an assistant or an executive assistant if you can afford it. And then the other thing is just really what can I kind of automate a little bit more so that I'm not wasting cycles around it. Hmm. Uh, and so food delivery, I think that's kind of a common one. I, I think a chef, I've had a chef in the past. It's kind of overrated and overpriced, hmm. but there's all these food delivery services. So that's one having a cleaner come. The one thing that I'm looking forward to doing is the pain. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I think it's very easy in business. Like, oh, I'm going to hire a, a marketer or a salesperson. They're going to solve it for me. Hmm. And I truly believe you need to solve it yourself or understand yourself before you then hire or automate. Hmm. Um, not necessarily cooking, but specifically like a night nanny uh, or other things throughout the day. I don't want to just have a kid so that someone else raises it. So I want us to go through that. And she does. My, my partner does too, my girlfriend. We want to go through all these challenges and then understand where's their value being added by us parenting and where is there stuff where, okay, we're, we can have a night nanny so we can actually sleep all day or mm. sleep at night so we can have a good day with the kid. Mm. Um, I, I, I think before I even actually got my girlfriend pregnant, I thought I would be like, yeah, I'm going to hire a ton of staff. I'm just going to have a ton of staff do everything. And it's like, well, what's the whole, what's the point then? Hmm. And, and that comes back to work too. I think a lot of people want to be rich, get rich, just put in some work and you actually do it and feel good about yourself. Hmm. Do you feel the process of like getting rich is the outcome itself is like overrated. Like when you make like $220 million and you look at it and you're just like, okay, cool. Like I've, I've accomplished that. Uh, but it is really kind of like the joy of, you doing the actual work itself uh, rather than the outcome that you've created. That's what I see with like a lot of entrepreneurs. It's almost like, it's almost like they get a little bit empty when they reach like a certain income goal because they, they realize it wasn't really about that. It was about the person that they, they became. And it's a, yeah, sorry. What are you going to say? No, no. Oh. It's, I mean, entrepreneurship is a great way to learn about yourself. Yeah. Probably the best I've ever seen. Yeah. And being rich is awesome. <laughs> it is really great. I, I swear to God, like I, I don't, I don't know if I could ever go back. And it's and, and to be clear here, it's not exclusive. It's not that I have some secret thing that I know or I did that not everyone can't else achieve. Hmm. Right? I did have advantages. I don't, I don't discount that at all. From I'm from the Bay Area. Yeah. I had two parents. I got to go to a good college. Um, I had a lot of friends in my network. The people around me sold companies for billions, and we just went to a, a really good public school. Hmm. But it's not exclusive. And that's why I show in a lot of my videos. It's like all these people have gotten rich basements, you know, out of Connecticut. Um, and so I, I will say that when I got my first million dollars liquid, it was definitely disappointing because you don't get a parade. No one gives a shit about you. <laughs> I went and told my dad and he was he was not doing well. He was sick and he didn't care. Yeah. He was just like, OK. And. That's probably a blessing in that moment because then it's like, all right, well, let's make sure we're just doing it for ourselves. Same with these YouTube videos and frankly, a lot of the things in business where 
if someone doesn't buy your product or watch your video, are you at least proud of what you're doing? And I think doing that and you're proud and then ideally some people want it will lead you to a great place. And um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's some emptiness, but there's a lot of warmth hmm. being able, because honestly, we were, you were talking about the middle class. I feel really bad. Like I go out to the, the restaurant, it's like $50 for lunch. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. So, you know, the, the reality though is, yeah, things are getting expensive. The economy's bad, but the reality really is that everyone has power to change that. Every single person. And you don't have to be in tech, which I always thought that's the only way you get rich. Mm. Like you have to be on social media or whatever this is. And that's empowering for people to realize, huh, I could actually get rich doing lawn care. I could get rich cleaning pools. I can get rich selling cookies to my neighbors. Yeah. Here's a stupid one, universal. You can get rich putting up Christmas lights and taking them down. I just paid $500. I just paid $500 to some guys. They put up the Christmas light. They did a really good job too. Mm. Shout out, Jose. Um, and then they take them down. 500 bucks, that's one house. Times that by like, I don't know how many houses are in neighborhoods, times that by cities. That's an easily multi-million dollar person right there. Mm. And that's Christmas lights. So, you know, I, you asked about the emptiness. Yeah, it, it, there are parts that are empty in a lot of different areas of life. And I, I think as we get older, we get wisdom. And then you're like, okay, I want to get rich and I want to do the things I really want to do. And, and that's definitely, it's possible. Mm. Uh, so you've said something where it's like the future of business is one person, zero employees and total automation. Solopreneurship is only the beginning. And I found the, the concept of this interesting coming from a guy like yourself who has many employees, uh, who runs like two, uh, uh, over $200 million company. Now, is this something that you are pointing yourself towards or you're pointing yourself towards helping people achieve this in their own lives? The reality that people can do it. Mm. That's the the things today that anyone can do literally from just their phone is amazing. And that's what I want people to be encouraged and then think about how do they get it started right now. So the idea that like, yes, you don't have to go and have your own servers in a building anymore. You don't have to build your own payment gateway. Mm -hmm. You can literally use a, a site like Bubble, or you can use products on AppSumo.com, pardon me, or TidyCal.com, one of our scheduling tools, yeah. and literally build a six, seven figure plus business, and then have a lot of contractors. And, and coming back on it, I, I think what it, the reality is just figuring out what people's dreams are. Like my dream was to have $3,000 a month, which I call my freedom number, mm. and I think everyone should figure out their freedom number. And I and I I thought if I can get this freedom number, my three thousand dollars, with my own business, I can actually go and live in Thailand. And, oh man, if I can just do that! And so it was just, and being able to have some destination, and then working towards it. And I think the solopreneur thing is fascinating. It's the idea that you literally can have all these parts of your business that you can do without having full time staff. Now, as you get to a larger business. It is hard to be a solopreneur. I don't. Mm. I've never seen larger companies do it with just one person. Mm. Um, there's generally you 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 have a lot more contractors or you hire full time people, but the the ability to do it is amazing. And yes, I ended up moving to Argentina after I hit my three thousand dollar yes. number, and it was it was actually it was a pretty not that great time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was cool that I had this dream to be there, and um, I, I think with just literally like any person that's that's listening or out there today. Like you can just start posting on social media and there's no permission needed. And that's so empowering.
There's no, like, you know, this is the crazy thing. My brother went to medical school, um, whatever, a hundred or 10 years, a hundred years. I don't know how long they go for. He's like 300,000 in debt. And there's people making double 10 X, five X, hundred X more than him that didn't even go to college. And the opportunities today are just as amazing as I've ever seen. Hmm. Would, would you actually recommend someone to go to college if they're graduating high school? Let's just say they want to uh, do the solopreneurship path. They have a vision and a goal of making a million dollars for themselves. What exactly would be your approach? Let's just say if someone like graduated high school or even like let's yeah. just graduate college, but let's keep it there. Like, would you go to college yeah. and get the experience? But what would you do if someone wanted to build a seven-figure solopreneurship business? Yeah. I think it's very risky to do a life that you don't want to live. So for me, it felt very risky to stay at Intel. Hmm. I worked at Intel. I was in a cubicle and it was the worst. I hated it every single day. And I always thought, man, this is so risky to just spend my life here. Hmm. It didn't feel risky to go start businesses. It felt riskier to just not live the life I wanted. Now, I, I think when people answer that question, I always would be, I would always, I always wonder the person answered that question. Did they go to college? Cause they're, they're saying they're showing with their actions. And I went to college. Hmm. I think there's more about college. That's not just about the, the college that you benefit. That is where people should go. Cause it's the, it's a safe space to meet new people, safe space to learn how to do your laundry. Ideally you're doing some finances. Ideally you're trying to figure out how to be your own person. And it's a safe space to do that. Is it for everyone? No, but I, I loved, I didn't really care for high school. I felt like emo hmm. and sad and just kind of like misunderstood. Yeah, same. But I thought college was, was a blast. I mean, you know, Marshawn Lynch, these like famous football players were there. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. I got to meet a lot of amazing people. I didn't really benefit from people I met there that I, I work with today, but just how to be on your own in an environment where it's it's not such high stakes, potentially where you're like, leave the house and you have to solve this stuff. And the other part I, I would comment on is, I am not a risky entrepreneur. Mm. All my stuff is, is calculated. And what I mean by that is that while I was doing, um, while I was at Intel, I was building stuff at night and on the weekends. That's a million dollar weekend. Everyone has a weekend available, whether you have kids or whether they're solo or whatever, you have a weekend to change your life. And everyone has that. Mm. And so at Intel, I was building conferences. And that led me to my Facebook job. And then when I was at Mint.com, I was building Facebook games, which is where I quit and built a Facebook game company. And then I was working at a dating company called Speed Date. And while at on nights and weekends, really the weekends, I built AppSumo.com in 48 hours for 50 bucks. Um, and so I think that college provides a cool space for you to be able to do those things while you're getting a, a, a status symbol and some learning that you can potentially use in the future. Now, do I use any of the things I've learned at college, like actual learning? Zero. Maybe you learn how to learn, which is which is insanely valuable. I think more people, though, Dan, what I'm guessing a lot of answers are saying is, well, college is two hundred thousand. What's the ROI on it? Mm. And so, yeah, you probably can, from an investment standpoint, which is how we look at a lot of things at AppSumo. Maybe I could spend fifty thousand and have a, a similar experience that I create myself that I don't get status on, but I can get all these other learnings: finance, relationships, partner selection, uh, how to take care of myself and get some learnings for maybe a more affordable price. Yeah. And what most people don't realize about uh, when you started AppSumo in the first place was 
it wasn't it wasn't something that uh, that you launched off the ground and and suddenly started doing well. Like you actually put a lot of guerrilla work into it, right? So it's like you were cold emailing the guy from, I think it's Imgur or how do you pronounce that? Yeah, Imgur, Imgur, Imgur. I, I don't know. Yeah, Imgur. You, you ran the ad, you ran ads on Reddit. Uh, you sold more than like two hundred like Imgur. I, I don't even know what that name is, but you sold like more <laughs> than two hundred accounts. There was a lot of like guerrilla work that you put in there. Now, with this, with the book that you're talking about, with like Millionaire Weekend, like what are some of like the guerrilla stuff that people can do on the weekends to build, let's just say, a personal empire of like seven figures for themselves? Yeah, everyone has a chance to do it, and that, and that's the power of it. Yeah. Where there's a guy named Pat. So Pat read the book, and Pat has a day job in customer support in Poland, which is unreal you know and he loves youtube and so he started reaching out to people on weekends to help them optimize their youtube channels mm. literally he's just something he's interested in and then just by doing that now he's got an agency and he's hired two other people and he's doing ten thousand dollars a month and so the reality about how to change your life in a weekend is that you just have to start and that's why literally the first chapter is starting because most people want to be rich. I would say almost every single person wants yeah. to be rich. Yeah. I don't think there's someone who's like, no, you know, I'm good. I want to be on the streets. No, I think everyone wants to be rich and they should be rich and they have the opportunity to be rich, but they haven't started. And so how do you help someone just get in the reps of starting? Because as I said earlier, most successful people have started. Now, and not every idea is going to work instantly. And so it's figuring out what's the right process, mm. like Pat did, to be like, all right, well, I'm going to try some ideas. Oh, wow, this one's working. Let's go with that. Uh, and there's been other people that it's been amazing to see them change their own lives. Uh, there's a guy, Shaggy, as well. He wants to do events. He loves events. And so he's trying to br bring, get people to sell tickets to come to one of his speaker events. Now, the ideas I actually find aren't as hard. Because I tried 25 different ideas to get to a you know nine-figure idea. Hmm. You need to make sure you're doing a million-dollar opportunity. A lot of times people try to do businesses that how many people actually will want to spend money on this? For example, how many people would want to have Jewish holiday lights put up? <laughs> a very small percentage of a people. A very small likely. percentage. Yes. How many people in Canada, you guys have like uh, pools? Yes, sometimes. Yeah, for, for, some, for some houses, yeah. Yes, I'm a, you know, in Texas, a lot of people have pools yeah, out here. For sure. How, pool cleaning. There's, I mean, you could look at Google Maps and see how many pools are in a neighborhood. And you can look on Google Trends and, and there's a process, exact process in the book that people can follow. Hmm. You can see how many people have pools and every week you have to clean that pool. And then you times that by the cost and, then, and there, there's the one minute business model that we teach. You can see it's a million dollar opportunity. Hmm. All right, let's go try that one and see if I can make that work. And so giving yourself this time limit, giving yourself the idea that it's a million dollar opportunity, there's so many different ways that people can go make it happen. I'll give one that I still don't know how this doesn't exist. I have a lot of things at home I want to get rid of but someone could sell it and I just don't have the time. I want to go list it. I don't mm. want to talk to people. I'd love someone to come take my stuff and sell it. I still don't to this day understand how that's not out there. There's a lot of people who have a lot, you know, especially you have kids because probably a lot of stuff you don't want. It seems like a really big market mm. and there's ways we can double check that and something you could validate. And that's one of the key things that I encourage people. Like how can you validate something that's within your control? And, and you ask about how to become a millionaire in a weekend. Most people do these things that are, I'm going to do something where if I fail, no one sees me. 
And I'm not trying to tell people to get embarrassed, but that's also part two, which is asking. What I am trying to get them to do is how do you make it easier on yourself to be successful? Why not ask people in your network that you have advantages on? Why not make, I'm from Silicon Valley. Like I've been around a bunch of software companies. Like why don't I do a site that's around software deals? Cause I have a lot of friends that are in that. I didn't use that advantage initially, but later as the business grew, I, I was able to, to leverage that. And so people can think about, all right, well, what is it that I like doing that maybe people have recognized? What have I done that people have paid me for? And then how can I actually validate that this is a business that I can get going within 48 hours? Yeah. I, I, there's like this uh, idea that you have to enjoy the thing that you are doing, right? So you, you, uh, set an example of like the pool cleaning business. I'm I'm not exactly sure like how many people are going to be like, yo, I I love cleaning pools. You know, uh, do, <laughs> they do love making money. Um, so how do you square the circle of like enjoying what you do while making a ton of money while doing it? I think you can do both. Hmm. There's a lot of binary thinking in the world, and I always remind myself there's more than two options, zero and one. There's more out there. There's always more out there. And if you can keep a solution-oriented mindset, like there's got to be another solution, you will get there. Now, I'm going to shock you mm. because my girlfriend loves to clean our pool. Like we were at the pool and she's like, oh, baby, can I clean the pool? I'm like, this is a joke? Is this like a prank show? And she's like, oh, I love it. <laughs> okay, go clean that pool. And then guess what? Bikini pool cleaners? Mm. It's probably a million-dollar business. Hooters? Yeah. I mean, just think about it. I know it sounds silly, but a lot of business ideas are silly. Mm. When I started AppSumo.com, people thought it was silly. Mm. Um, when I was in Argentina, I was building Facebook games. And I remember hating Facebook games because I don't really play games at all. I play chess and pinball. I hated all these annoying people playing Farmville and the shit that we were helping build. And I just didn't like being on Facebook. And it was I was like, oh, this is annoying. And I remember I met this guy there who was also building games. And he's like, I love making people happy. Hmm. And that's why I build games. I was like, you should be doing games. I'm not going to do games no more. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, what I want to encourage people to, to really think about is that you can get rich doing the thing you enjoy. Hmm. What are the things that you enjoy in your business right now that you love doing? Because I know that you've, well, we have a mutual friend, Eamon, who was your former CEO yeah. at AppSumo. Uh, personally, I, I think Eamon is top notch and he's also... Actually, like he's on the same journey as you, uh, without he without is, revealing yes. too much. Um, yeah. So, in regards to kind of like you know having aim and and transitioning into this kind of like CEO role for yourself, I know that there was like this. Uh, there was almost like a difficulty of like you having to make that mindset change of actually being a CEO, and then now it's like you're doing it. So, what are the things that you enjoy to do on a regular basis? Yesterday I was in a meeting and this guy, Chris, he runs all of our email, which is about I don't know, maybe a $30 million a year revenue line that he's responsible for. Wow. It might be more at this point. And he was just leading and I got to be a part of it and learn from him and just be around it. I was like, this is so fucking cool. <laughs> I remember in the meeting, it was literally yesterday. And I was yeah. just like, wow, I get to be around smart people promoting things that, that I love. And that was awesome. Can you tell me and, any uh, email uh, secrets that you guys may have uh, uncovered? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when you're working with people, generally a CEO doesn't do anything. Mm. And I remember someone telling me that and I was like, that sounds really like bullshit to me. <laughs> I like doing work. 
But really what you're, what you're trying to do is set a destination, a goal, set boundaries, operating principles, and then, you know, make sure you have the right people playing in the game. That's really my, that's all I'm responsible for. Mm. And so with Chris, he has a revenue target for email. So the easy way to run any company, whether you're a person, a company of one or a company of many, and I talk about this in Million Dollar Weekend, uh, is have a very clear goal, right? Just what's your one goal? And then what's your scorecard, your inputs? Generally, I have three per person, and we have it across all of our leadership team, and then they subsequently do it down on their teams uh, that you want to measure your success by. Hmm. And generally, these scorecards should lead to the main goal. And so Chris has a goal. His main goal is his email revenue. And so without me, he doesn't, I, I'm always just really impressed by him. He comes up with all these different experiments. He has a lot of different, so we were experimenting the redemption email. Hmm. I don't think you have an, do you have an e-commerce store? Not e-commerce. It's more so kind of like a newsletter based uh, email. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you something surprising that I did recently that was insane results. Hmm. But with e-commerce, there's, a lot of different emails that you could be sending. And so like your redemption email. So when someone buys like the receipt email, we we test and optimize that. That was really interesting because AppSumo uh, has a lot of FOMO, mm. fear of missing out. So we have a lot of timers because <laughs> our deals go away. And so we've tested a lot of different, is the timer on the top of the email? Is it on the middle of the email? Uh, you can test a lot of different things. And, and most people test probably too soon, but when you're at like seven figures or eight figures, like, these, comp these things really do compound, and we, we've had a lot of success around that. Now, on the newsletter side, I would say that the most surprising, I'll tell you two, but the number one most surprising thing that, that's gotten results is actually individually emailing people. That has just been, so for this book, Million Dollar Weekend, yeah. we, we built a launch team. They, like The amount of research that we put into the book um, and testing the book, really, with a lot of people, so I've individually emailed people and there's actually services on AppSumo.com uh, and a lot of tools, MixMax and, and different ones that are out there uh, where you can actually send individual emails. Hmm. And that has been pretty game changing in terms of interacting with people. Like you can customize it, they get an email, they reply, and then you start interacting with them. Uh, so I think that's one insanely powerful thing that people are doing too much broadness hmm. and too much oh segmentation. No, just literally individual email. The other thing that uh, I encourage people to do is like survey to sale. And what I mean by that is like do a survey asking people questions and then you could literally take the people that want what you're doing because they've said they've basically raised their hand and then now you can sell those people. Hmm. And and I don't say selling in a bad way. I think it's a great thing because you're asking people what they want and you find the ones that actually want what you're offering uh, and then you can let them know like, hey, I have something available for you. And... One of the things that you mentioned was like the idea that you're focused on like, well, each and every department is actually focused on one thing. This is uh, this is something I learned from uh, just watching you, which is uh, one of the things that you learned from working for Zuck or Mark Zuckerberg, which is the idea that he is just focused on one specific uh, metric inside of his business. So inside of your business, inside of what you're doing right now, uh, what is the metric that that you are focused on above all things. Yeah, there's one goal at our company. It's 45 million net revenue. And where are you guys right now? 45.6. Oh shit. Okay, so you hit the goal already. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's been a it's been a lot of work. And I, to be clear, I, when people talk about their numbers, and I remember at Facebook I was frustrated about this. And that that number 
it's just an it is a number but it, it, it does miss out on like the partners that we help promote their software or the customers who buy the software and they get these great tools at great prices or the team uh and so that i there's more in the business and i and personally i like meeting i use tidycal.com yeah. which is our scheduling software and i meet our customers once a month and i meet our partners once a month and so i don't want people to think oh it's just a number yes but also go and connect with what you're what you're here for like i like promoting people's stuff I like people buying tools and building businesses. And so that's what, what we're really going to do. But mm. the number is what we, you know, how we try to help not try. It's how we prioritize our actions. And then there, there, as you get larger, there's more complexity. Yes. Like what are the sub numbers that lead to that? And generally for us, it's like sessions, conversion rate, AOV, your average order value. Mm. So how many people are coming? How many people buy? And how much do they spend? And then those numbers have more things that that all tie out to it mm. and so we have a like a two-person business intelligence team there's a three-person revenue optimization team like that evaluate our prices evaluate how long deals should be live uh, evaluate what types of products our customers like so the level of complexity versus me just being like no oh, that's a cool product and here's the price i want to pay um we're, we're in the professional league, not as much in the amateur league, yeah. but that's also what I, why I tell people it's about now, not how, right? It's not, that's, this is like 13 years later, same as my YouTube channel, but it was me in a basement in San Francisco. I was like, yeah, I should try to get this product, see if I can sell 200 of them. I didn't really even make money myself for probably the first five or six years of the business because I invested all of it, which we still do this day. Mm. We, we aim to invest all of our money back into the business. So every year subsequently gets better. So I wanted to ask you, well, 45 million is an incredible number and congratulations on, on hitting the goal. What is Thanks. your concept of like capital allocation after that? Right. So oh, how are you ooh, deploying that? I love that language. Capital? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I love that. You know, I, I, I truly, and this is shocking and it's a little, it's cold, but it's, it's the reality of a business versus a nonprofit or a club mm. is that every, almost every single thing in the company needs to be evaluated on ROI. That's the this unfortunate truth mm. is that when times are, get tough, if things aren't producing returns, you're not gonna probably be able to keep them. And I think that's what happened with COVID where everyone cut everyone and they're like, did we need all these people? Yeah. Right, it was easier to do it during that time because you had an, a good excuse for it. Uh, so in terms of capital allocation, uh, I'll give you a few high level just principles I think people should, should think about. And one of them for us is test then invest. Mm. So, with hiring, we almost never hire full-time staff. So just like a solopreneur, we hire almost exclusively, almost all the time, contractors, and then they transition to full-time people once they've tested mm -hmm. and they've proven it, or we've tested that it's actually valuable for us, and then we invest in it. So the test and invest has, has been huge for AppSumo over the years. Now that's part one. Now in terms of return on capital um, as well, we hire a lot of more junior people, I would say, or less experienced. They're super smart. Mm. And then we hire these advisors. That's what I was saying earlier, these elite advisors. And we pay them about $1,000 an hour. So every single person on the leadership team has an elite advisor. So that's another kind of little cheat code of, of operating the business. Um, I'd say the other thing about return, so that, that's a great return on capital. Yeah. So I can get a, basically a, a 10,000 hour person for 1,000 bucks an hour, like did all day, every day. Mm. Uh, and then in terms of the advertising return on capital, it's uh, it's pretty sophisticated at this point, but the the short answer is, can we make our money back from our spending within six months? Mm -hmm. 
So most people call it LTV to CAC, mm -hmm. so your lifetime value over your customer acquisition cost. And so we are aiming for less than six months, and we have some channels like affiliate marketing uh, that it's like the same week, which is bananas. Mm. And again, I, I want to encourage people that's, you know, we started our affiliate program with a Google spreadsheet six years ago with one person <laughs> part-time on that. And now it's a team of maybe five or six full-time with like, we, we use impact.com, which is crappy software. Mm. It's like a hundred thousand dollars a year just for the software. And that, that, that's evolution over time. And so coming back on it though, we tested, we saw that this stuff works and then we expand out on it. Uh, and I think I'm, I don't, I'm trying to think of other returns on capital. We've reduced our facilities. Really what you're looking for at the end of return on capital is like, what am I spending and what am I getting? Mm -hmm. And you need to be making sure you're getting more than you, you spend. And, and I think if you can be diligent on your people, on the actual like uh, advertising and the parts of your business, server, software, um, you'll have a pretty good return. And last thing we do is that twice a year, we do pretty much a, a spend audit on every single thing we spend on. Yeah. I love it. I actually, I love, it's one of my favorite things to do. I love deals and good prices. As a word, deal site. I love it. I love it myself. Are you like clipping coupons? Uh, I walk the walk. Or something. I, I love a deal, man. You have that coupon box, you know I'm searching. So uh, yeah, every year we do a software advisor basically audit across the entire business. And so can we reduce it? Can we cancel it? Can we move it to yearly to save money if we're keeping it? Is there an alternative? Mm. Uh, and then return on capital is basically being like, no, this is not something we can cancel. And and I think that's an important part for anyone starting a business, which is how do you make it so that your business doesn't get cut when times get tough? Mm. So it's interesting to look through your own spending and be like, oh, I can't cut that. I can't cut that. I can't cut that. Okay. Then thinking, and that this is something I, you know, I teach a million dollar weekend, which is like, you need to be making those things that people aren't going to be cutting. Mm. Cause then when times get tough or times are good, they're keeping you around. Mm. What things do you think are not like, cause there's a lot of like things that everyone's like asking, like what's, what is AI going to do? And like all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I don't think people are really focusing on the things that won't change over the next decade or next 10 years. What are some things in business that you feel are not going to change over the next like decade that people can double down on? Yeah. I'm pretty bearish on AI and I know that's common. <laughs> I think everyone's like, so like yeah. up in its shit, like, oh yeah, it's everything. I'm like, it's nice. It's, mm. I haven't seen it. It's like a little better of a search engine. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's got, we've had chatbots. You can talk to it and it can reply to you. Like chatbots been around. And so I think things, yes, are going to be better. I'm not ignorant and I, I'm in tech and a lot of our best selling products are AI. It's definitely making things easier. Mm -hmm. I think certain jobs will, will be adjusted. But I think fundamentals, we eat, we sleep, we poop. Uh, those those probably aren't going to shift too much. Mm. Uh, what I'm excited about is what's the tech that we don't know will happen. You say what's not going to change? Mm. The, I think the fundamentals of human life don't change. Mm. We want to find relationships. We want to feel worthy. Want to be healthy. You know, these, these, yeah. these don't change. Yeah. I'm curious about the next shift of what we don't know. And what I mean by that is, the phone shifted a lot of different things. Mm. The internet shifted a lot of different things. The gig economy, housing and Uber and, and those kind of things, Airbnb shifted a lot of things. And so I'm excited to see what's that next pendulum swing to like this new shift based on newer technology. Maybe it'll be VR. Maybe it'll be the, some of the AI stuff or maybe something I don't even know. Yeah. What do you think it's going to be? What do I think it's going to be? Yeah. If you were to hedge your bet on anything, what do you think it would be? 
lately I'm more interested in the physical space. Mm. Like product space, that, you're like, saying? Or like... Just physical. Like, hey, I have books and I have shit that I want to get rid of. And I, want, mm. I have lawns and I have housing. I think those are really interesting because you, how can you compete in areas where you have an unfair advantage? Mm. And the level of competition is if you can just show up on time and sober, you, you can win. <laughs> if you're competing on Twitter and YouTube, you're, you're competing against like experts mm. that are doing this all day, every day. If you're competing in these other areas, like you're not competing against top shelf talent. And that that's an opportunity. Mm. Um, what other areas am I hedging on? I, I think coming back on it, you asked like, what's not going to change? Yeah. I think one of the things to really, you know, if you think about what what is AppSumo succeeded, and right, we're threatened if a lot more tools become AI or everything is ChatGPT and you don't even not buy more tools, which I think people are always going to want uh, tools when you, you need tools. But what's not going to change is that people want customers. Hmm. Period. That's all. People Like you want listeners or viewers. I want them too for my shows. And so... If you can stay closer to the money, if you can stay closer to bringing people customers, if you can stay closer to ah, this agency, they're doing branding, but are they doing ROI? Are they bringing us customers cheaper than the customers are actually making for us? Or they're making more money than they cost us? Uh, I think that never changes. Mm. And that's something that I was very specific about when I started AppSumo. I was like, the number one problem of every business is customers, and I'm going to solve that. Uh, in terms of hedging, I'm actually getting out of hedging as much. Mm. I like hedge, you know, I, my father lost everything. And so I hedged buying real estate. I have like six properties. Um, as I'm getting older, I actually want less hedge and more simplicity. Mm. So I'm selling most of my properties, moving to renting because it's less headaches. And then just focusing on less things. So my girlfriend, AppSumo, YouTube, and this book. Uh, and really just narrowing in on that. I think it's it's easy to feel like we're doing so much and feels like we're doing much, but I'd rather do less things better and really it, actually do that, mm. which is removing all of these other things. Well, let's bring it back to the Millionaire Weekend. Uh, what exactly do you hope this book does for the people that read it? There's a guy, Cam, who is a beta reader, and he's like, I've read all these other books and I always get distracted. And I actually, I read this book. But what I'm hoping for is, what he did is not just read it. He takes action for himself mm. and he changes his own life. Cause everyone has a weekend available to change their life. And yeah, there's some things that are short term. Like we watch short clips and we, but we also watch long clips and we will watch movies and we watch sporting events. And I believe we've put together something very special. Me and tall through all my experiences, which I started a lot of business that I've worked. I've worked for the best people in the world not people, but the best companies, uh, very successful ones. And I, what I want is that people read it and take action. And that could be making grocery money. That could be selling one thing. That could be putting something out on social media and Twitter or wherever it is. But putting some starting in action and sparks out into the world and, and create some fires out there just for themselves. And that to me is, that's exciting. And I've seen Cam do it with him on his videos. Uh, talking about Shaggy. There's a guy named Oliver. There's a lady named Megan who's selling courses and it's just them taking action and making their own lives better because it's available for everyone. And how, how do you deal or, or maybe feel about the amount of impact that you're making on, let's just call it like millions of people right now. Does it ever hit you that you're literally in the business of changing millions of lives? No, not particularly. 
<laughs> not particularly. You know, years ago, years ago, someone said to me, uh, you know, why change a million when you could change one? Mm. And that just stuck, man. Because I was like, do I really care to change millions? And I was like, I don't really care. Because mm -hmm. it's arbitrary. Like a million versus 10 million versus 1,000. It's like, why don't I just do one? And so I, I'm more focused on, am I proud of the work I'm doing? Like I'm truly enjoying it. Like am I proud of myself? Not e does, That mm -hmm. doesn't mean easy. Most of the things we're proud of are hard. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything we're proud of that's hard. That That's easy. We're not proud of anything that wasn't some effort. And so I want to do work that I, I think, wow, this is really special. And then I want to impact one person. Like that's why you'll see me on YouTube or Instagram or some of these different places. I do my best. It's harder now to reply to people and just be like, yeah, good job. Hey, keep going. Uh, so I, I don't worry as much about all the people. I try to just worry about one. And, and do you constantly remind yourself that like you are proud of yourself, right? Because from what I've kind of like seen, it, it does seem that there is like this little voice in the mind that's like, uh, like it's a little bit more or was a little bit more on like the negative ish side to kind of like push you to, to achieve better heights. You also said like the, the successful entrepreneur is slightly dissatisfied as well. And that does come yes. with its own, uh, its own mindset, uh, sometimes like insecurity, uh, all this kind of stuff. So is this something that you remind yourself of? Like you're constantly just like telling yourself that you are proud of yourself for the things that you've achieved. I believe that everyone is the meanest person to themselves. Yeah. yeah. And so I've actively worked on for two years plus just being kinder mm. and not guilting. The amount of guilt we do to ourselves is unbelievable. Yeah. Especially Asian and, and Jewish guilt. As well, Asian and Jewish, yeah. especially, yeah. especially, and it, it doesn't mean to go and get blasted and be like, yeah, man, I'm drunk. That's awesome. <laughs> but it's, you know, being an entrepreneur, really an entrepreneur truly is seeing something that didn't exist and solving it and taking initiative. And that really is, is doing, you're finding a kind of a problem or really an opportunity. And so for myself, it's just literally almost every day noticing when I'm talking negative to myself mm -hmm. and just not, not being like, no, you can't talk negative because that doesn't really fix it. But just be like, oh, you're, you're kind of challenging yourself here. Like, do you need to be so rude to yourself? Mm -hmm. And just being mindful of it. And the second thing, this is, a, you know, another thing that's worked really well is whenever I'm doing something that I'm proud of, just telling myself like, wow, man, good job. Mm -hmm. Like be the parent that you've always wanted to be, <laughs> you know? And so it could be simple as like, I did a mountain, you know, mountain biking and maybe I went up a little hill like, dude, nice job. Or, my girlfriend hasn't been feeling well, so I've been cooking more for her. Mm. And I told I told myself, and I mentioned to her, I was like, I'm really proud of how I'm cooking for you. She's like, I'm proud of you too. <laughs> and that uh, and that's not an overnight thing, mm. but that's a, like a kind of a reinforcement thing that when every time you're noticing this negative self talk, doesn't mean some woo woo fake shit like, no, you're special. No, just be like, okay, you're kind of talking negative here. Is this is this serving you? Mm. Okay, maybe I don't want to keep talking negative. And then as you're doing something positive, try to reinforce that. And I was, I was having tea this morning with my, one of my best friends, Tynan. And we're all much closer to the person we want to be than we think. Mm. And our lives are so much better than we even realize. Almost everyone. doesn't matter if you, okay, I have a shitty job. Like, guess what? You can still change it, but you're alive. You can order food from your phone. You have, you know, you have people out there that probably care about you. Most of our lives are, are better than we realize. Mm. And it's just take, it takes time and it takes literally effort. And I still go to therapy. I was in therapy yesterday. 
to be able to embrace that. Amazing. Well, Noah, thanks for coming on and being as transparent as you are. And uh, also, thank you so much for for doing this. Uh, this is Thanksgiving right now. Uh, or <laughs> yeah. Friendsgiving. In, I love this, though. I actually didn't realize today is like a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. I like woke up and I was like, I've got a, you know, I always do a three by five card. It's like my, my thing of, of how I, I, I mark out my days. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I guess it's, it's a holiday. But yeah, we're, I got a little more work and then we're going to Friendsgiving. Awesome. Yeah. Your, your assistant was like, this is Thanksgiving. Are you sure you want to do the show on this day? And I was like, if, if it's cool, it's like, no, and then it's cool with me. Uh, <laughs> it worked out great. Thank you for being flexible. No, my girlfriend's, you know, she's, she lives in Spain okay. or she's here now, but she's, uh, she lives in Europe, so they don't do Thanksgiving. So she's she's working in her two jobs right now. So okay, sorry, sorry. I know I was going to close this up, but she's working her two jobs from uh, from United Austin. States from Austin. Okay, okay. Yeah, we get up at six a.m. Okay, okay, okay. And I'm guessing they're online. She's she's doing something. Yeah. Like, okay. She's an she's an engineer. Awesome, awesome. So. Yeah, okay. it's impressive, man. She's got a, a very strong. You know, find someone you admire. Mm. And I'm just like, wow, you work two jobs and, you know, and you do all these other things and you're a kind person. Mm. Like, okay. I got to be with you. This is sweet. So, like, life is so much better. Dude, life is so great. And yeah. it does get better too. It does. And I, again, I think a lot of that is that mindset. Yeah. And, and something I'll throw out there is like, you made the right choice, right? It, it was like, I think like the choice in your partner is so reflective of the person that you want to become, Right. Um, she's kind, she's optimistic, she's happy. Uh, I, I've chose the same in my own life as well. So like part of, like, part of the reason I, I loved her was like, she's just like, so like happy for no reason whatsoever. And, uh, and me being like an entrepreneur, sometimes I don't have that, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm not like the most happiest person. We are, we are quite dissatisfied at times. So you have made like the right decisions, uh, both in business and also, uh, in your personal life. So and and I want to say that you have inspired me. Thank You've you, inspired man. millions of people around there. Uh, and yeah, I'm pretty sure you hear this all the time. But it, but again, it's like you you are literally making a difference, uh, not only in the lives of like one person, but many others. So, so yeah, man. Thanks, thanks, man. thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, and yes, uh, for the book, the book is coming out uh, from what you told me is like January 30th. When this comes out, the episode will come out. The book will be out. Yep. Maybe I don't think the baby. Hopefully, the baby's not out. God willing. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. And uh, yeah, milliondollarweekend.com. Uh, a lot of a lot of things we talked about, and there's resources and free templates and um, for people at milliondollarweekend.com. Yeah. The last thing I just got to drop. I think people need to be more patient. Mm. Like, yes, you got to get started in a weekend, but then just be patient with yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, we go and try to do something in a weekend and it doesn't work out, and then we give up and there's stuff in the book about how to not quit, but it's really just being patient. And I think patience also leads to kindness because yeah. we're, if we're not perfect immediately, it's like, okay, let's be patient because I can get there. Yeah. And it's hard to be patient when you're on social media and seeing all these, uh, highlight reels of everybody making millions of dollars in like a weekend or, or a couple of days. They don't see the, they don't see Most the work. Most of the people yeah. posting that shit are poor. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. 100. Like real rich people don't need to be posting and showing you about it or yeah. necessarily selling you a course about it. Yeah, they're actually doing work. Hundred um, percent. That's a whole separate. Awesome man. Well, don't enjoy. All right, Dan, go enjoy your non-Thanksgiving up in our <laughs> North you. North America. Enjoy your uh, friends. man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on, and I really appreciate it. And uh, enjoy your day, man. Thank you. You too, brother. All right. Thanks. 
Thank you again for listening to The Dan Go Show. We have some amazing episodes coming your way, so make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. If you're already subscribed and today's episode hit home for you, please share this episode with someone that you know who'd benefit from listening. Take care and see you every week on your favorite podcasting app.